Mark chapter 5. And we are going to talk, uh, this is one of those stories uh, that I think it has been like that. That's the way it is because, uh, I'm, what I'm saying, that's the way it is because you have two stories in one, but we are going to talk only about one story. That's the way it is because it has a point. And I don't want to touch the other story that is right in the middle of this one because somebody already preached about that one and that was my wife. I don't want to get in trouble. No. It's not about that. But we are going to focus only on the main story. Mark chapter 5, verse number 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. First of all, I want to tell you that this story... It's also mentioned in Matthew and in Luke. The same story. But Matthew, when you read the story of Matthew, that's the, the diet story version with not that many calories or not that many details. It goes really fast. This one is the one, maybe if you want to live unhealthy, this one is the one with all the grease and everything that you said, wow, this is the tasty one. I'm going to eat it. This is it. I'm going to read again. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. When you read this part of a story in Matthew, you are going to realize that Matthew says in chapter 8, he says that when he came, she was already dead. Please do something. My daughter is dead. But when you read about that passage, when you find a little bit more, what he really, that, that, that passage was trying to say is, she is almost, practically by now, is dead. It's not like she's dead. So Matthew is not really way off about all of this. Now, the Bible, when we read this story, we realize that it's talking about a synagogue ruler. First of all, I want to tell you, it's not a Pharisee, Okay. And it's two different things. The Pharisees used to work and like to be around the temple, the place that you made the sacrifices. The synagogue ruler was around the synagogue, the church. He was like saying the pastor of the elder of the church. He was the one taking care of the spiritual being of the members, trying to take care of the building a little bit, trying to take care of the administration of the synagogue. But mainly was the worship service, the spiritual part. He was a ruler in the synagogue. He was well-known, seems to be. But also seems to be that this person named Jairus, I was practicing the name, Jairus, also was a person that heard about Jesus many times. To the point that when Jesus crossed the lake and he appeared, he was there uh, by then, according to the Bible, then one of the synagogue rulers, verse 22, named Jairus, 
came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. He was watching, he's coming, but then he did something. Jesus is here, I'm going towards Jesus. I'm going to approach him, but not to talk to him. I'm going to lay down on the floor. I'm going to go by his feet. And I'm going to plead, to just say, hey, I need help. If we read that verse again, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and plead earnestly with him. Earnestly meaning he was repeating constantly, all the time, I need help. Do something. I need help. And my message is not only I need help, I need help, but I need something specific. And the specific need that I have is that my little daughter is dying. Please come and pour your hands on her so she will be healed and live. I don't know the last time you remember going to the feet of Jesus. Pastor, Jesus is not, a, I mean, he's not around. I almost say he's not alive. He is alive. We could say he's not around. I can't go to his feet. Well, this person, Jairus, tried everything, seems to be. The Bible doesn't mention for how long this daughter was sick. The Bible doesn't mention what kind of sickness she had, but something was clear. She was dying. And let me ask you, how many of you are looking forward to die? Anybody's looking forward to die today? If I say, how many of you want to die? Oh, Pastor, I want to die. I want to die in a, oh, a painful way. No, 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 I want to die in a, in a peaceful way. No, I want to die this way. I even remember talking about the kids some time ago, long time ago, with some of the teenagers. So how do you want to die? Oh, Pastor, my way of dying, they were saying, I want to die in an airplane. Going down, at least I'm being able to see everything. And then you want to crash? Yeah, I want to crash, but not against the, the mountain, just the water. Maybe you go down and, you know, I don't know, just different. Some of the kids says, you know, I want to die when I'm sleeping. That's the best way. You don't feel anything. I just don't want to feel anything when I die. How do you want to die? The question again is, are you looking forward to die? Nobody looks forward to die. Nobody, and a, 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 the, the, the human nature is to survive. The human nature is that even, even that you know maybe it's not solution, and, or you know you, you can't find any solution, you know that probably there is hope. We are all afraid of dying in many ways. You're driving really fast on the freeway, and do you remember seeing death really close when somebody breaks in front of you? And you brake really hard, and you end up between the divider and the other car, and you only do this. Hi. That happened to me once. The 91, you never know when they are going to stop. And you brake, you brake so hard. And you know the thing, you're trying as much as you can, so hard, so hard, but there's no way you are going to stop and the thing is going. And you, you just see the car moving and you end up in the middle. Like The other guy is looking at you like, oh. Have you ever been close to something like that? Do you know maybe someone 
who is going through that painful moment of dying. Here we have a father who is a ruler of a synagogue who was probably well known that those people didn't really like Jesus that much. But those friends, his friends, didn't have any answer. None of the doctors back in those days had any answer, but only one person, and that was Jesus. And I don't care what everybody else said. I'm going to go and run to Jesus, and I'm going to throw myself by his feet. And I'm going to ask him to come to my house to touch my daughter so she could live. Because Jesus is the only one who can touch you, and you can live again. The beautiful thing of the story is that we don't have Jesus here arguing with him, like saying, how come you don't have that much faith that you don't ask me like the centurion that says just, you stay here, say the word, and then he's going to be healed? He didn't argue like saying, how big is your faith? Is it big, small, tiny? How big is it? He didn't argue at all. The Bible says that Jesus paid attention to this person, and he went with him. I mentioned that I'm not going to stop in the story after that. Because the story in between that one happens that Jesus is living with him. He's going to the house. And some lady out of nowhere that nobody cares who she is. We don't even have a name like Jairo. Jairus. Us. Jairus. We don't even know her name. Appears in the middle of the story. And she wants to be healed. Can you imagine? He's moving there. Jesus is going. And then suddenly, are you, Jesus, you're not following. My house is that way. Why are you stopping, Jesus? Hello? Don't you listen to me? I'm having pain here. My daughter is dying. Why do you stop Jesus for her? Look at me. I am the synagogue leader. I need help. I came and talked to you in person. So you better pay attention to me. She is hiding and touching you. Can you imagine at that moment when Jesus stopped, what this person, Jairus, was thinking at that moment? I'm not important here, huh? He stops in the middle of walking to my house to just pay attention, somebody touched me, and I remember, I know that some power left my body. What kind of idea is that? The story continues in verse number 35. Jumps that section to verse number 35. While Jesus was still speaking, because he was speaking to the woman. And he was saying before that, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from, our, from your suffering. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. I mean, ruler, just in case you don't get it. Again, the name and the position. Jairus, the synagogue ruler and they said this your daughter is dead they said why bother the teacher anymore 
You know that there are some people that they don't know how to give the news. They just don't know how to give the news. He is there probably eager for Jesus to move. Jesus is talking to the lady. He's like, kind of like, hurry up, hurry up, move on. Time is precious here. Time, come on, the life of my daughter is there. Come on. And then suddenly came, hey, your daughter is dead. No way around of going, hey, you know what? I know, you know, it's painful for me to tell you, but no. Jairus, your daughter is dead. I remember a doctor who gave the news like that to someone in emergency. The husband died, and then, you know, we all were waiting. We all were saying, well, let's wait for the right moment. Let's wait for the right words. The doctor comes, opens the door, and we think, okay, let's just wait for him. He can probably give the news better than anybody else. And he says, are you the, are you the wife? You see that? Okay, your husband is dead. Like, this person starts, like, crying. No way around, not a simple way to put it. Nothing to say, Pastor, can we tell you, know, how do you think we, no, 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 no. Husband is dead. If this father had some hope, if this father had some little dying hope, these people came and killed that hope. Because sometimes in our lives, we have people that kill our hopes all the time. Don't you have something like that sometimes? Don't you have people in your family or maybe close to you? These were people from his house, maybe workers, maybe servants, close to you. Hey, you know what? Why do you bother just praying all the time? Just forget it, you know. You're lost. Hey, why do you bother just doing those so many things? You know, come on, giving tithes, forget it. You know, you're not gonna make any more money than that. That's it. You can, you're gonna lose your house, and you're gonna lose your car. You're gonna lose your job. Why do you bother just doing all of that? Jesus never hears. Come on, he never hears your prayers. That's why that person close to you is dead. Why do you do that? Hope killers. They're not only joy killers, people out there, but hope killers. They just come to you. They are close to you, and they come, and they just tell you what it is. And to make your life simple, don't waste your time asking for Jesus, for God to help you anymore. The beauty of this, of that part of the story, is that after these men came to Jairus and said that to him, Jesus Christ, in verse 36, the Bible says, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. That's who Jesus is. He ignores what everybody else is saying. He ignores when somebody wants to put you down, make you feel worse than you are feeling right now. He ignores anything else to talk to you and me and tell you, hey, don't panic. Hey, don't feel sad. Hey, don't feel like the way you feel right now. Believe in me. 
You know, it's so easy to know about God, but it's so difficult to believe in him. You know that? It's so easy to know how God is, how loving he is, how merciful, how much power he has that he can change and do miracles in your life. But it's so difficult to apply it to our lives, isn't it? It is difficult. Because when we have problems, nobody's more important than what is happening to me, just like this synagogue ruler. You stop him. Why are you stopping and the purpose of having the story in between this big story is to compare who they are. It's for you to see that this was a woman with no name who was not even close to being a Jew. And this one was a ruler, someone who was a leader of the church, involved in church. This one was a woman that means she's less than anybody else. And this one is a man. This one was looking for something that is not even close to compare of the love I have for my daughter. It's you. You can look for help someplace else. Or you can look for Jesus someplace else. You are not dying. You are just sick. Mine is dying. But it's not about how important you are. It's not about how good you look or what's your position. It's about who Jesus is. And Jesus stops. And when he stops, he does not stop because he doesn't care for you. He stops because he's going to heal you and the other person. It's a lesson for all of us. It's a lesson for myself. Jesus stops when he needs to stop. To, sorry, to stop. Jesus is going to do his work at his time, not at your time. Jesus wasn't worried that the miracle is not going to happen. Jesus knew his father. He knew who he was. And here, these people come to them, and they try to say, you know, your daughter is dead. Don't even worry about him. Don't bother him. That's adding more to what, whatever he felt at that moment. The Bible says, as you know, that we already read, that Jesus ignored that part. And he tried to encourage this man by telling him, do not be afraid. But that's not something new, brothers and sisters, isn't it? How many times in the Bible we read, do not be afraid? How many times through the life of Jesus, do not be afraid? In the Old Testament, do not be afraid. In Revelation, do not be afraid. But he doesn't only say do not be afraid. He also says just believe. Just have faith. That's all you need right now. You cannot have faith if you are afraid. You cannot believe if you are afraid. You cannot argue or start trying to understand. Oh, I believe, but how do I believe? Oh, I believe, but then how the miracle is going to happen? Does it make any sense? I don't think. It's not about that. It's about believing. Believing in what is the question? Believing in what? If I tell you, you just need to believe. Believe in what, you will tell me. I need to believe in the person 
who is telling me the words, who is willing and is powerful enough to do something in my life. Jesus, just believe. Yeah, but you're stopping. <laughs> just believe. Yeah, but they just told me, my little girl, by the way, you're going to read later on, and Matthew said it before that, she's 12 years old. And Matthew called it not a little girl, she called it a young lady. That's the translation. 12 year old. She died. She was young. Just believe. Now that's hard for us to believe. I mean, I just believe right now. I have faith. If I know everything is okay, so far she has some toot, toot, toot. Even if it's slower, toot, toot. I know she's alive. Something could happen. But when she's dead, do I have to still believe? Now that's hard. Just believe. And the story mentioned it shows at least that this person didn't argue at all. After that, verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. These are the same three people that were there when the transfiguration happened. These are the same people that were there in some other situations, and they were key people. Jesus select these people so he will have Testimonies, living testimonies. I have seen it with my own eyes. And nobody has told me this. But he also, not only picked them, but he also came. Uh, here we go. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a uh, commotion. Thank you. I don't say communion. Commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Okay, I almost tell you that the other two people also were the father and mother, which is in the other verse. But it seems to be that we need to talk a little bit more about these details here. You have three disciples going with him, and one telling everybody else to leave and stay here is Jesus Christ. One more thing that Jesus does that he usually never, never, he never does all the time, I mean, he, he, he's not the person that do it like that. Here we have that he said he did not let anyone follow him. Like saying, hey, Jim, you stay there. Hey, you bury, uh, just stay there. You know, stay. I don't want you to come. But, but we want to follow you. We are followers at this moment. I don't really mind if you guys are followers. I know you guys want to watch. And maybe you want somebody want to be, you know, podcasting. What's going on? No, 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 no. I want you to just stay here. I'm going to take three. And they are going with me. Yeah, but we want to see what's going on. Well, maybe it's for you to believe if what they are going to tell you is true or not. So they are going with me, and you stay here. And Jesus went in, according to the Bible, to the house, to the synagogue's house, and he saw, again, the word is that, what was that? You heard me? Commotion? I think commotion. Commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. You know how? You want me to do it? Maybe I, I, maybe I can get some people here to help me. Barry, help me a little bit. Come on, you can help me. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, no, 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 not you. It needs to be a lady. They used to be women. 
So what about you, Carolyn? You can help me. How what about you? Can you? No, no, no. You come and just, just help me for a minute. Just, just, just stay there. You don't have to stand. You have to cry loudly. I mean, exaggerating, really. Exaggerate, like, like it's really pain. And remember this, you two are professionals. Because that's, that's what it is. They get a degree on crying. Do it loudly. Ready, set, go. Okay. Okay, I only hear, but, but you, you need to be loudly. You are not going to get paid if you don't add louder, please. One, two, three, go. More pain, more pain. Again, painful, painful. Okay. Oh, needs to be really painful. You see, in many other cultures, they not only did that, but many of them, they pulled their hair. I didn't make you do that. They pulled their hair, and they even made cuts to themselves. So they can really show that there is pain. That was good, by the way. That was really good. But not enough, because they were louder, as loud as they could so people would notice. And if you are a poor person, they hire at least two. And one person playing the flute. How that mixed? No idea. Matthew mentions about the flute person. The other one, not, but it's true. The tradition was that you get someone who plays. If you go to one of those places, how would you feel like, whoa. And here we have Jesus going to one of those places like, what's going on here? And you know that these people were paid. You know that they were paid. And like, like, uh, like I said before, they said that they were professionals. They lived by that and they were paid by that. And this is even the worst, well, not the worst, I don't know if it's the worst part. They used to do it between seven to eight days. And if it was a king or somebody who is, you know, maybe higher position, up to a month, crying and crying. So people will know the pain that you are going through. You want to have a job like that? I am a professional crier. Here in Orange, go www.bigcrybaby.com. I don't know. I don't know. But they were crying loudly, loudly. He went in and said to them, why all of this commotion and wailing? <laughs> Why are you guys crying? Everybody's everywhere. Not, you, know, you don't even know what's going on. It feels weird, maybe. The child is not dead. But she is what? <sighs> Sleep. But they laugh at him. That's why you know they were paid. They're crying. <laughs> How can you change like that if you have pain? How can you just make automatically, you are crying really loud, this guy is saying something wrong. <laughs> you know, that's, he's wrong, he's wrong. He's so lost. You don't even know what you're talking about. Are you a doctor? You know, that person, if you do something, is dead, it's not moving. 
The Bible also mentions. Verse number, or the next ver uh, verse 40. But they laugh at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He kicked everybody out. You guys are crying too much. Move out. But I pay them. Tell them to move. Go outside. Do it something and someplace else. Not here. Go out. Too much noise. This child is not dead. This child is sleeping. And that's something for us to understand that many people don't understand about death. You see, when you go to sleep, do you have people crying for you just in case you die when you are sleeping? Mommy, don't go to sleep, please. <laughs> Why, mija? No, don't sleep. When you are tired and you come back from home, I'm oh, sorry, from work, you're tired, come back from to, to your house and you sit right there on your sofa and you're so comfortable and you know what happened? You, so, you have kids, your wife coming, wake up, wake up, please. Don't. What? I'm resting. No, wake up. I'm afraid you're going to die. No. When Jesus Christ says you are sleeping, is that you are going to wake up. When you go to bed every night, you go to bed every night with the assurance that next day you are going to see life again. Now, you don't know how long that takes. You go to sleep at night and maybe you wake up without you knowing 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, man, I wake up really early today. That's not my... Or maybe you wake up 11 o'clock. You don't even notice. You just sleep. Sometimes you sleep so much and you wake up so late that... Like, Oh, man, it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and you're all panicked. Well, I hope that never happens, but, you know, like, you know, I'm panicked. Because you don't notice you are sleeping. The next good thing is that you are going to wake up. When you sleep, you don't know anything, what's going on around. When we die, we sleep. You see, the only one in control of everything, even resurrection, is God. The only one at that moment in control of resurrection is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, when, he, when that person was dead, he didn't went there and said, you know what, he's dead. And the soul, I know he's somewhere around. I know he's somewhere, I'm going to call that soul. He is in control, and because he is in control, and because he is God, he's the one who knows that that soul is in one place. Jesus said she is sleeping. Everybody laughed because they thought this guy is a joke. But after he kicked everybody out, he took the mother, the father, and the disciples. They went in. Verse number 41 says, He took her by the hand and said to her, Now, how do you pronounce that? You see, in Spanish, it's Talita Umi, something like that. 
go, go, go ahead, Nomi. Let, 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 let me put the microphone because I see that you, you are so into the verb. Go ahead. Taliza com. Com. Okay. Talita com. Which I know that you guys know some of this Aramic language. And you probably know what that means. Right? Without seeing the Bible, what that means? Little girl, what? Oh, you guys are so much. Little girl, get up. Little girl, I'm telling you, get up. It's a command. I'm not telling you, if you listen to me, get up. He's not telling her, hey, if you are there, get up. Hey, if you already got here to the body, get up. No, little girl, get up. And when he's giving that, 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 that command, he means that he is in charge of things. He knows where's everything, and he knows when to bring life and when not to bring life. That's Jesus Christ. That is God. Little girl, get up. It's time for you to wake up because you are not gone forever. Because you are not dead forever. I'm in control of things. Immediately, the little girl or the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At, day, at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. And many people have the question, why did he command this girl to wake up really fast to go and give her something to eat? All of the people who study many of these verses, they don't really have a clear idea, but they know something they said. When you are sick, you usually stop eating and you eat less. When you are really sick, you don't need that much. You don't feel like you are hungry. And one thing for everybody to know back then that this person was 100% alive and healed is that she's hungry. Especially a 12-year-old teenager. She's hungry. Give her something to eat. Brothers, in our lives, especially for this father's life, you know, we are going to go through hard times. Death is going to be in our path because we die, because we have pain. And if you don't know that, I'm just going to ask you to just look to your right Look at the nose of your brother or sister and do this. Believe me, that person is going to say, ow. We are going to die. But death is not our final destination and it's not going to be over with death. Because we believe in someone who is more powerful than that. And we have hope in someone who knows and who rules and who is in control of life and death. And even if you die, you are going to have life again. And that's Jesus Christ. There's a song that I love it, and I hope they have it up there. They do? Yeah, they're up there. 
And I'm going, and you probably know that song. I, I know you know that song. And I'm going to ask them to just play it, uh, not too loud, just soft. So I'm going to read to you a couple of verses and a little bit about the story about this song. On May the 22nd, 1998, my friend John, uh, John's 14-year-old son was diagnosed with leukemia. I wrote this song during the middle of the triumphant year-long battle. I wanted this song to capture the pleading heart of a father leading with his son's illness. And if the son is there, you can start playing that song. And the letter, the, 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 the lyrics are beautiful. The lyrics are beautiful. Just beautiful. It's coming. It's coming. That's it. The title of the song, He's My Son, S-O-N, Son, by Mark Schultz. You remember that song? I am down on my knees again tonight. I'm hoping this prayer will turn out right. See, there is a boy that needs your help. I've done all that I can to do my soul. Down on my knees His mother is tired. Tonight. I'm sure you can understand. Each night as he sleeps, she goes in to hold his hand. Right. And she tries not to cry. And she and the tears fill her eyes. The choir is the most done that I can do myself. It's the most dramatic part because Mother is tired. you and I are not in control of life. Sure not in control of any of our decisions that we have. Only God is control. You and I, we cannot do anything. But God is in control. And sometimes you, and keep, you have questions and you don't know what to do. And the questions that he's asking here are questions that you probably ask yourself. Simple questions. Like? This one. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Am I getting through? Am I getting through tonight? Can you see him? Can you see him? Can you make it? Can you make it feel alright? You can hear me. If you can hear me, let me take this place somehow. Part, the only thing I could I could only remember when he said he's my son is God sending Jesus Christ to die for you because he took your place he took my place to die and it's not for us to push us away from him because something happened in your life or because you are afraid of death it's for you to get closer to him because you are afraid of death to get closer to him because you don't have answers in your life God has all the answers. And if you still have questions, and if you still have doubts, 
Father, at this moment, O oh Lord, we want to ask for you to turn your face to us, to each one of us as a person, not only as a church, but as a person, to each one of us, of us, and to say the same words that you mentioned in the Bible text. Don't be afraid, just believe. Help us to not let the hope that we have, and maybe it's a little one, maybe our faith is small, but not to let that hope die because someone else thinks different or makes us feel that we have to forget about you. Help us leave this place knowing that the only hope is you. And even if it is small, as long that we are alive, as long that we get to know you, as long as we have the knowledge and we are getting closer to you, to our relationship, help us to resurrect the hope that we need today. And as you know, Lord, we cannot preach about hope to anybody else. This church cannot preach to hope to anybody else if we don't have hope first. Help us to regain that hope. Not the hope that you are coming soon, but the hope that you are alive first. Help us. Help us because we need it. We don't want to be dying. We want to be alive. Bless us today. Bless us this Sabbath day. In Jesus' name, we want to ask all of this. Amen.